God is good and is good all the time. Amen. Uh, it is God's will that we are uh, sufficiently provided for. Amen. And uh, God smiles in heaven when he sees his kids just winning. Amen. We are created to win. And uh, today we're continuing to talk about no limits. Tell your neighbor, no limits. We're getting ready to remove all the limits uh, off of God. How cool is that? The Bible says in the book of Psalms 78 verse 41 that the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit God? Yes, you can. The God who's omniscient. That means he's all uh, uh, powerful. The God who's omnipotent. The God who's omnipresent can be limited. You know why? Because God does not force himself on us. Amen? He let us... Listen, God is amazing. He just opens the buffet or buffet, depending on where you're coming from. Amen? He just opens it and he says, listen, you take what you want. In fact, the Word of God is a buffet filled with all kinds of different stuff. And it is up to us what we take and what we leave there. Amen? Amen. So the limiter is not on God because God has given to you and me the whole world. The limiter is on us. What can you believe God for? The Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter number 3 verse 20, Now unto him who is able, God is able, amen? who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ever ask or think. Man, I always picture it this way. Paul writing the letter to the church at Ephesus, he must have said, man, I, I want to I describe God's ability to this church. And he said, now unto him who is able. And then he said, man, th- this doesn't cut it. Let me add another word. Now unto him who is able to do. See, that would have done it for me because just to know that God is able to do what he says he will do, man, I would have been happy. And Paul still didn't get his full description from that. And he says, now unto him was able to do exceeding. And he said, man, it's still not cutting it. Now unto him was able to do exceeding abundantly. And he said, man, it, it still does not convey the full description of God's ability. And he said, now unto him was able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ever ask or think. So in other words, if you can think it, God is able to do beyond that. So your only responsibility is to think it and God will surpass it. Amen. If you think it, God will surpass it. And watch what he says, according to the power that is at work in us, or according to the anointing that is already on the inside of you. Child of God, you've been chasing after anointings, but I came to announce to you this morning that the anointing is already on the inside of you. He said, according to the power that is at work, not in the pastor. You know, pastor, I want your anointing. No, there is a better anointing than the pastor's anointing. Can I preach to a church that doesn't mind taking responsibility? You know why I would rather have the pastor's anointing? Because it removes responsibility on us. (laughs) Then it becomes 
the responsibility of the pastor to pray for the water and sell it to me. So I don't have to have a relationship with God. All I can do is just go and buy the water and just sprinkle it. You know, the pastor said, this is anointing water and now I expect the blessing. No, honey, it does not work that way. The power is already on the inside of you. The anointing is already on the inside of you. The Bible says we have, not we are trying to, it says we have an unction from the Father and we know all things. That word unction is the anointing. Every believer has all of the anointing they will ever require. Resident on the inside of them. So don't be trying to get the bishop's anointing. Okay, alright. Moving right along. So the way we tap into God's ability is last week we discovered by receiving His Word, the reality of the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word specifically written to you. And you have to receive that as a reality, not a, not a great concept. The Bible is God writing an email to his child, singular. See, because I knew if I had said children, you would have thought the person next to you. No, it is God. Listen, child of God, if you were the only person in the universe, Jesus would have still come to die for you. That's how much God loves you. And you have to think of it that way. This is the word that God wrote specifically to you. It is His love letter to His child. And that child is wherever you go, when you go back home, go into the bathroom, look in the mirror. Wherever you see, this is who the Bible is being written to. Singular. God is writing it to you. And when you personalize it that way, you will begin to remove all of the limitations. That you've been putting on God. Someone shout, this is my Bible. Bible. I believe what it says about me. Therefore, I am am everything everything that the Bible says says about me. See, the Word of God has to be at the center of your life if you're going to live a life of abundance. I believe in the floating theory. Now, the floating theory says uh, the whole earth at one point was one uh, gigantic piece knit together. In other words, all of the continents are different puzzles to one piece, which was the, the, the earth. And what's interesting about that one piece is that if we put it back together, at the center of that whole thing is Israel. Now what's interesting about that is that at the center of Israel would be Jerusalem. And what's interesting about that is that at the center of Jerusalem is the synagogue. And right at the center of the synagogue is the Holy of Holies. And right at the center of the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant, where God inscribed His covenant to you. So right at the center of everything that we do, even geographically, is the Word of God. And child of God, when you make the Word the center of your life, you remove all limitations. Why? Because the Word of God is loaded with unlimited potential that can produce in your life. You can shout amen to that. Man, the Word is loaded. When you make the Word of God the center of your life, 
your marriage will prosper. When you make the Word of God the center of your life, your job will prosper. When you make the Word of God the center of your life, your finances will prosper. You just have to take the Word of God and include it in your life. How do I know this? Because me, man, I'll tell you, for a very long time, I used to go to church. I used to go to a traditional church and... uh, for a very long time, man, the Word of God was just another book written and it never benefited me anything. In fact, uh, I would go to church and uh, it was such a long service. I mean, <laughs> announcements alone were like one and a half hours, just announcements. And then testimonies, another hour. And then after that one hour, uh, someone would get up to do the consecration of the, uh, the, the communion. That's another two hours. Just praying, singing you know, saying some stuff. I mean, some of the stuff I had said it so much, it was just regurgitating. It didn't mean anything to me. Because you knew if the priest said this, you know, somewhere from within, it would just come out. Didn't mean a word of the things that I said. And preaching time for me was nap time. The pastor gets up to preach, man, I'll take my opportunity to go to sleep. Because, I mean, I didn't value the word of God. And not only that, I mean, the dude wasn't saying anything that I could, you know, live on. So it was a combination of both factors. And man, during those days, man, life whipped me. Man, I lost every battle. I was losing in my finances, couldn't pay my rent on time, not a single month. I was losing in my relationships, man, just dating and breaking up, dating and breaking. You know, that cycle, that was my lifestyle. Just get into relationships and all kinds of problems. Just follow me. And I, did, I, I used to wonder, what, what's the matter? The matter was, I did not have a solid foundation. And man, life whipped me in the backside. And then I discovered that God had given me His Word, and I discovered that in His Word, God actually wanted me to win. Oh boy, did that change my life? I discovered that everything that God had put in His Word was for me to take and apply in my life so that I could win. So I decided I was going to, it was my turn. See, because when, when life was kicking my behind, God stood by and watched. And that made me angry. I mean, God is standing by, brother. He was standing and watching, watch me getting whipped in my finances. I couldn't pay rent the whole year. God still just stood by and watched. You know why he watched? Because he had already given me everything that I needed to turn my situation around. And man, I'm telling you, I was wondering, why is God watching? He had already given me the gun, better known as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. And then when I discovered, man, I'll tell you, it was my turn to kick life in the behind. It was my turn to kick life in the, in the ulterior portion of the anatomy. And guess what, man, I did it with all the force. Just kick life. And, and God still stood by and watched. But this time he smiled because his child had learned how to take the word of God and use it to their advantage. This explains why some people win and some lose in the church. What is at the center of what you do? See, because if the word of God is not at the center of your life, we discovered last week that it is his word that even holds the universe together. It is his word. That holds your body together. 
We discovered last week that the body is made out of atoms and in a, in a full stop, in a period, there's billions of atoms and the scientists don't know what, the, what holds the atoms together so that it can pro provide a supply for the molecules which in turn provide a supply for the elements which in turn provide a supply for the cells. They don't know what holds it together. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3 that He holds how many? All things by the power of His Word. God's Word has to be your foundation. Say that after me. God's Word has to be my foundation. Hallelujah. We discovered last week that uh, according to 1 Samuel chapter number 3 verse 1, that in those days, the Bible says, the Word of God was scarce. And the Bible says the net effect of that, and they were no open visions. Another version of the Bible say it was precious. It's the same word, scarce. There was no word. And you know the net effect of living a life without the Word of God is blindness. You begin to live your life as a blind mule. Just bumping into stuff you shouldn't bump into. There is no open vision. Amen? <laughs> During the dark ages, about a thousand years, uh, from 15,000, I think to about 16,000, it's uh, categorized as the dark ages. And what really happened during the dark ages, that caused for the dark ages, and basically the dark ages is a period in time in history where nothing happened. For about a thousand years, nothing was happening. Just nothing. And if you ask the historians to write about it, they'll tell you there's nothing to write. Because there was death in the, in the earth realm. Nothing took place. There was no uh, medical research advancement. There was no technological advancements. There were no innovations. Just nothing. And when you study history, you'll find out it is because during that time, what they did is that they locked the Word of God in two things. The first one was they locked the Word of God away from the common people into monasteries where nobody could have access to it. And because of that, people were blinded. And the second thing they did was they locked the Word in a language that no ordinary man could understand. And because of that, there was no technological advancement. There was no creativity. See, all of that is locked in God's Word. That's why the Bible says, at the entrance of His Word, it brings light. It brings illumination. Amen. If you study brain uh, biology, they'll tell you, there's sparks of energy that takes place when you begin to receive revelation of the Word of God. Amen. New ideas will begin to flow Amen. when you take in the Word of God. Amen. But when the Word of God is scarce, there is blindness. People don't see. So the enemy caused the people to live a life of pain because he had taken away the word from them. Listen, the devil is not against you. He's not after you. He's just after the word. He's just after the word. You know why? Because he knows if he can steal the word from you. You'll come to church, sing all the fast songs, get into the slow ones, go back out there and live your life defeated. You know why? Because the only, let's be real guys, the only offensive weapon that you have is God's Word. Go and study the armor of faith. The only offensive weapon. And I believe if Paul was writing it today, 
that scripture, you would have said of the, uh, the word of God, you probably wouldn't have said it's the sword of the spirit because we have bazookas now. <laughs> Amen. You'd have said it's the scud missile of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, or the machine gun of the spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, you have everything else that you need, your faith, your salvation, and so on and so forth. But the only way to counter the devil, tell your neighbor that, the only way to counter the devil and what the devil is doing in your life is by his word. No word, no victory. More words, more victory. That's the equation. The Word of God is the foundation that we stand on. Not the oil. I don't know why I keep going there. Maybe someone was planning to buy some anointing oil or anointing stickers to protect themselves. In fact, that's, that was my attitude back in those days. I used to think the Bible was some superstitious object to be used against the devil. Have you ever watched like a horror movie? You know, when the... When the, when the the vampire approaches you, you just take the Bible and, oh! and then the vampire can't stand the Bible. In real life, it doesn't work. Man, I had a terrible accident. The car flipped four times with the Bible in my car. You know why? Because the Bible is not going to do you any good if you don't take those words and plant them in your heart. See, because the Word of God is not ink and paper. The word of what did Jesus say in John 6, 63? He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When you're reading the Bible, it's the only book in the world where life is jumping at you as you read. What did God say? He said, I sent my word and healed them. Because the word of God is a capsule. It says it like this in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4. It says, thy word is medicine unto my bones. Man, this is awesome stuff. Amen. You take in, man, uh, uh, when I discovered this, I don't remember the last time I popped a pill. The only pill I take these days is the gospel. Amen. You take the word of God, there's always going to be divine help, not divine healing. You know the difference, right? Because for you to require divine healing, you have to get sick first. And then you're going to require divine healing. No, there's a higher level where you don't even get sick. And God wants you to operate at that level. How do you do that? By getting into His Word. Ooh, Jesus. Man, this is awesome stuff. Tell your neighbor, the Word of God has to be your foundation. Isaiah 28, verse 16, in the Amplified. Isaiah chapter number 28, verse 16. Is this helping anyone? We good so far? Someone shout, the word of God is my final authority in my marriage. Do you know what that means, Henry, when you get married? It means if the word says forgive before the sun dips, what do you do? You forgive before. But pastor, you don't know what she did to me. It doesn't matter. The word just said forgive. So you get married, right? And your wife becomes the president of South Africa. You think the Bible will change uh, uh, its opinion about submission? 
Oh yeah, submit. Women, wives, submit to your husbands only if they have a job that's higher than you. Is that what he said? Wives, submit to your husbands only if your husbands make more money than you. Is that what he said? Oh, let me try again. What did he say? Wives, submit to your husband. Full stop. And husbands, love your wives as what? As Christ loved them. Did he say husbands, only love your wife when she's looking beautiful? Husbands, only love your wife when she's still sexy. Is that what he said? No, he says love your wives unconditionally. Now, if you take that and make it the center of your marriage, your marriage will be a success. But if you take Hollywood's standard of marriage and opinion when it comes to marriage, your marriage is going to fail. All right, okay. Isaiah chapter number 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a for what? A foundation, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. He who believes, trusts in, relies on, adheres to that stone, will not be ashamed or give way or hasten away in sudden panic. And this stone is the word of God. He's talking about Jesus. And how many of you know that Jesus is the word? The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word dwelt amongst them and they comprehended him not. The word became flesh. Jesus is his word. Hallelujah. And if you find your life on this precious stone, trust in this word, rely on this word, adhere to this word, you will not be ashamed. Or give way or hasten away in sudden panic. Give it to me in the message Bible. It gets funnier. Watch what it says. But Master God has something to say to this. Watch closely. I'm laying a foundation in Zion, a solid granite foundation, squared and true. And this is the meaning of the stone. A trusting life will not topple. If you put your trust in God's word, you won't topple. Uh, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? Because you set your foot on the foundation of his word. And his foundation is solid. You can say amen to that. Amen. Psalms 11 verse 3 says, If the righteous, if, if the foundations be broken, what can the righteous do? In other words, the righteous need their foundation intact for them to live a life of prosperity. Watch this in all areas of their lives. Glory to God. Matthew chapter number 7. You know what's interesting about a foundation? What's interesting about a foundation is that no one goes to uh, uh, an amazing building and uh, be mesmerized by the foundation. Can you imagine going to the Eiffel Towers? She said, man, look at that foundation. No one cares about the foundation. You know that? But without the foundation, you wouldn't have the Eiffel Tower. Without the foundation, there is nothing to look at. So, as ignored and uh, as, as not so important as the foundation may seem, it is the principal thing. Amen. 
Every individual needs a foundation in their lives. And if you're a Christian, your foundation is in God's Word. This is where we start. And this is where we finish. This is why we don't major in gimmicks and tricks and special effects. No, just give them the Word. And if they find their lives on the Word, they will prosper. Man, I've been to gimmicks. I've been to tricks. I've been through all of that. I've been through fads. I remember back in the 90s, man, there's always going to be a new fad going on in the church. But the only thing that remains constant is the Word of God. In the 90s, the fed was going around claiming stuff. It was the claiming message. Remember, I went for a youth service and they preached about claiming. Some of you may remember this. And man, we left the service and would claim all kinds of stuff. Just see nice cars and claim them. I claim that car in the name of Jesus. I claim that one. I claim that woman. I claim that one. Just claiming everywhere. Just claim stuff. You remember, you remember the time? That was the fed, man. And everybody was claiming stuff. Just claim stuff. And none of the things we claimed ever came to pass. You know why? Because we realized the Word wasn't even telling us to claim all kinds of things. The Word was telling us to confess the Word. To take the Word and put it in your mouth and speak it. And as you do that, things would come to you. So we were wrong. And then came uh, another fed uh, back in the 90s as well. It was the fed of uh, uh, spiritual fathers. Man, everything was just centered around spiritual fathers. You couldn't even buy a car without consulting your spiritual father. It was crazy. But that was just a fad. And it passed away. But get, let me tell you, the only thing that has remained constant throughout time is the Word. We did all that stupidity and went back and the Word was still saying what it was saying before we went away. The only thing that's ever constant in your life is the Word. The only thing that is consistent in your life is the Word. So if you want to live a consistent life, get in the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So you need a foundation, and your foundation is the Word of God. Growing up, man, uh, we used to play basketball. And uh, back home, they used to have a show every Saturday called the NBA Action. Back growing up, man, they never showed us the whole game. <laughs> they just showed us the NBA Action. Now, in the NBA Action was uh, what was called at the end of the show, the top ten uh, countdown. And then in the top ten, man, they would show Michael Jordan driving. He's driving, man, and he would jump into the air, man, and everybody jump with him. And then he would turn them around, switch the ball to his other hand, put it behind his back and put it under his leg. And then, and then everyone else goes down and then he's about to dunk the ball and then some defender comes up on him and he turns around. This is Michael Jordan, man. And then he throws it behind without looking and then it goes in. And then, man, that, that's all they showed us. And yet this dude had scored about 40 points and 38 of the points, he was just bouncing. And just putting it there. 38 of the points. But they didn't show us that. They just showed us the spectacular. And man, we went to the court. And none of us cared about the anymore. <laughs> you know, the court should come to us and say, you're supposed to do just a basic layup. And people will be like, no man, I'm not going to do a layup, man. I'm going to try this thing. <laughs> and man, we failed dismally. You know why? Because we didn't have our foundations set. Once you get the foundation right, all of the other stuff 
will come and it will follow you. Just get the foundation right. And the foundation of your life is the Word of God, child of God. Stick with the Word. Amen. Amen. Just stick with the Word. Growing up, and uh, we used to have Kung Fu. Man, Kung Fu. And Kung Fu would come right after current affairs. And man, did we hate current affairs. You know why? Because we didn't want understanding. What we wanted was action. And this is why we have babies in the church. See, because people come to church, they don't want understanding. Yet the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. It is the foundational thing. In all you're getting, get understanding. Get to know something and understand it. People don't want it. Pastor, give me a shout. Whoop and holler it. Excite me. And I used to go to those services where pastor would get up and just shout. Ah, you're blessed. Ah, coming in and going out. Ah. Somebody say yeah. yeah. Say yeah. 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 And then we'll get back home and say, man, the pastor was on fire. He was preaching hard. And someone said, what did he say? Like, oh, well, man, he said we must love one another. You know, you know. <laughs> we must just love one another and love our neighbors and, and we'll be alright. Because <laughs> we didn't hear a thing. You know why? Because we were searching out and looking for an excitement. Uh, just, just give me an excitement. Give me, give me desserts. Give me, how many of you know that you can't live a life based on dessert? Just ice creams all the time. And pudding. No, you can't. You need the foundational stuff. And that's what we need in the church. I think we were talking at Life Group just this past week, and Pastor Trevor was saying, man, the reason why we, we have people not growing in the church so much is because there's too much preaching and there's no teaching at all. Yet Jesus spent uh, the, the, the bulk of his ministry, I would say 99.99999% of his ministry teaching, not preaching. He only preached once. That's the only time I remember when he walked down the streets uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The only time he preached. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is explaining. Amen. The end goal for, for preaching is to convict so that someone may act. The end goal for teaching is to bring understanding so that someone may know how it works and the intricate details. And when you have understanding, the devil cannot steal it from you. But when you have excitement, the devil will steal it from you. That's why the Bible says, my people perish for a lack of, better known as information. People perish for a lack of information, not inspiration. Inspiration is like washing, man. It's like you, you, you've got to get it every day. You know why? Because it fades. But understanding, it sticks. So with all you're getting, get understanding. Get to understand how the word works and everything else will fall on top of that. You can say amen to that. Amen. All right. Time is ticking, man. Where did I tell you to go? Matthew what? And verse? Verse 15. Okay, give it to me in the Amplified. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 15. Watch what it says. Beware of what? False, false prophets. Who come to you dressed as sheep, but inside they are devouring wolves. Next verse. You will fully recognize them by their what? I didn't hear that. 
So instead of trying to discern people and doing all kinds, just look at fruit. Fruit will tell you a lot because there is no way you can have God's word in your heart and live a frivolous life and live a sinful life. It's impossible. You know why? Because God's word produces after its kind. So instead of trying to fight sin, you know, I don't want to drink. Don't give me a drink. I don't want a drink. Instead of doing that, just get the word in you and it will change your appetite. And you walk in the club and be like, man, am I lost? I don't like this place anymore. This is just, this is garbage. And you walk out. See, because the word is the power to change your appetite. And you won't have to... I don't want to commit adultery and your pants are halfway down. I don't want. I don't want. I want to live with Jesus. I want to live. That's not going to help you. Just get the word in you and the word will change your behavior. Amen. It's called effortless change. Watch what it says. Do people pick grapes from thorns or figs? From thistles, next verse. Let's go. Even so, every healthy, sound tree bears good fruit. Admiration, but the sickly, decaying, worthless trees bear worthless uh, fruit. Next verse. A good, healthy tree cannot bear worthless fruit, nor can a bad, diseased tree bear excellent fruit worthy of admiration. Next verse. Let's go. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Let's go. Therefore, you will fully know them by their... Next verse. We want to get to 27. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who... Die. I didn't hear that. Die. I didn't hear that. Die. So what Jesus is trying to say is talk is cheap. Yeah. So talk it and do it. Amen? Amen? But he who does the will of my Father. In other words, he who does the word. Because the will of the Father is his word. Yeah. Amen? Who is in heaven. And how many of you know that the will of the Father is good because God and His Word are one? Yeah. Did you know that you and your Word are one? Yeah. See, so if your Word is no good, you are no good. You say, I'll see you at half 11 and then you come at 12. If your Word is not good, if I cannot bank it on your Word, if your Word is not bond, then you are not good. Yeah. But God's Word is good and it is good all the time. Amen? Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? And what am I going to say? Then I'll say unto them openly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my word. His commands is his word. So everyone who hears these what? I hear that. Come on, preach with me. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? I didn't hear that. So if you hear the word and act, what are you like? Obeying them, you will be like a sensible. Someone shout sensible. sensible. Prudent. Someone shout prudent. prudent. Practical. Someone shout practical. practical. Wise. Someone shout wise. wise. This is what your life should be like. Amen. Not spooky. A lot of people think being a Christian, being spiritual, I have to be spooky. Oh, shakalabababa. <laughs> you, come here. No. You want to be spiritual? You want to be spiritual? Watch what it says. Just be sensible. Prudent, practical, wise. And you are a spiritual man. You know why? Because you hear the word and you act on it. Man, Christianity is so simple. It's so simple. It's been confused by a lot of us preachers. We like to teach all kinds of stuff. And we teach to try and impress. 
No, don't teach to impress. Teach to impart. Teach to... Listen, I don't preach to get 10 out of 10. No, I preach so your life can change. In fact, the best pastor in the world is the one who empowers you so much that you don't need them. The best pastor in the world is the one who teaches themselves out of a job. Listen, if you still need me, Baba, just to choose a girlfriend, then I'm not doing my job. If you still need me to to buy a house, just to choose which house to buy, then I'm not doing my job. You know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit within you. He will tell you everything that you need. Man, the only time you should be calling Pastor T is so we can celebrate together because you heard from God and you obeyed. But if I teach a word that's that's half-baked so that you still need me, then I'm not doing my job. Amen? That's what it says. Practical, wise, a man who built his house upon the rock. Next verse. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. So he's saying trouble is going to come. And it comes to everybody. I don't care who you are, you're going to be faced with some challenges. You're going to be faced with some trouble. But what determines whether you stand after the storm is over is what you're standing on. If you're standing in God, on God's word, you will stand. Watch what it says. It beat upon that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the what? Next verse. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. I just want to let that sink in. I don't know whether I should continue reading this. Because after I finish reading this, you're going to be accountable. Oh, no, 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 not to Pastor T. No, not to your wife, not to your husband. You're going to be accountable to the CEO, the El Presidente. Man, you're going to be... And you can't cop out and say, Oh, oh Lord, I, I never heard it. No, you're about to hear it. Should I, should I read this or we should just stop service here yeah, and go home? And Should I read this? Yeah. Watch what it says. It says, He who hears these words of mine and does not do them, he will be like a what? I didn't hear that. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. A what? A foolish man who built his house upon the sand watch what happens and when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house it fell and great and complete was the fall of it what's the difference he heard and did what he heard he was spiritual What does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 2? It says the same message preached to us was preached to them. But that message did not profit them not being mixed with what? With faith. In other words, that word did not benefit them because they did not act on it. Jesus. God wants you to live in the realm of profit. And to get profit is so simple. Just hear the word and do it. Man, Christianity is simple. It's the biggest DIY religion, if you want to call it. I know it's a relationship. 
there is. Do it yourself. Just read it and do it. You can say amen to that. Five more minutes. Is this good so far? We good? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Second Peter chapter number one. As we close. Verse 17 in the King James. Second Peter chapter number one, verse 17. This is the Apostle Peter uh, describing what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember the story where Jesus and three of his disciples went up the mountain and they heard an audible voice from God. Can you imagine? I mean, they went up the mountain and they heard God speak and they heard it with their physical eyes. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Speaking of Jesus. And they heard it the way you're hearing from these speakers. And, and, and not only that, uh, was it Isaiah and Elijah appeared to them in the physical form. This was a, an amazing, miraculous manifestation. And not only that, Jesus was transfigured and the light, the radiant light that you see on the sun, it, be, it, be, it became to come out of him, exude of that light. That's what happened at that mount. And, and, and the apostle Peter is describing it to the church. And watch what he says. For we received from God the Father and honor and glory when they came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Next verse. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard. We heard it. Isn't that amazing? Man, that's amazing. We heard it when we were with him in the holy mount. But watch what happens in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Hey, 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 Peter, wait a minute. So Peter is saying he's got something that is more special effects than seeing that. Peter is saying we have a more sure word. We have, a, we have something that's better than hearing the audible voice of God. We have something that's better than Jesus changing his countenance and radiating light and the glory the Shekinah glory of God. Peter is saying we have something better than that. What is that, Peter? We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day of dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Next verse. Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So Peter is saying, after all is said and done, the more sure word of prophecy is the written word of God. In other words, if I hear a manifestation of an audible voice, and it contradicts what's written in God's word, I don't care how miraculous it is. My responsibility is to shut it down and rebuke it. In Jesus' name. You know why? Because God will never contradict His word. And the highest authority in the earth realm that He has given to His children is through His word. The Bible said He has exalted His word above His name. Man, the name of Jesus is a strong name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But God exalted His name even above the name of Jesus. Even above his fame. Someone read that this morning. That 
His decrees are exalted above His fame. Mukurumbira. His word is exalted above His fame. So when people come to you and say, man, God did all of this. God split the Red Sea. God did that. He said, my word is above it. How much powerful is that? And you can turn your life around with his word. Someone shouts, today, I make a decision to make the word of God the final authority in my life. If God says it, that settles it. That's what the word says. It says, Thy word, O Lord, is what? Is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is not up for discussion, it is not up for negotiation. Why? Because it is settled. See, when you see yourself trying to negotiate with the word of God, you're already in error. You know, before I understood that scripture, man, I used to argue with everybody on Facebook. Just, man, I'll tell you the word of God says. Now I don't. You know why? Because the word of God is forever settled. And God himself, man, I was sharing with uh, Brother Tate yesterday and I was saying to him, one of the greatest advice that I've ever received in the word of God did not even come from a saved person. It came from a gentleman called King Agrippa. You know what he said to his soldiers? They were getting ready to go and fight the disciples. He said, man, if it's of God, you are, you're getting yourself in trouble. You, you see, because you're going out there fighting God and you'll never win. He's an unsaved man. He said, man, you, if it's of God, don't fight it. And you know what he said? In contrary, he said, if it's not of God, you're not going to have to fight it. You know why? Because it won't last. Amen. So get yourself familiar with the word of God and stop fighting people. Regardless of what their belief system is, man. If it's of God, it will last. If it's not of God, it won't last. A lot has happened in our lives and we were at, at one point tempted to fight people. But we discovered, no, you don't fight people. God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Just let the word prevail. And if it's not of God, it won't last. Amen? So today I want to challenge you to make sure that your life is founded in His Word. Make sure that your relationships are founded in God's Word. Make sure that your finances are founded in God's Word. Make sure that your job, your career is founded in God's Word. And as you do that, God will bless you.